Um, as we were worshiping this morning, I want to share a scripture with you that came uh, to my heart, and I didn't feel led to share it then, but I feel led to share it now because it's going to kind of lead us into where we're going. Um, Psalm 23, you're familiar with Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Uh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not sure if I'm quoting it exactly right. Give me some liberty. Um, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. My rod, my staff, you comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. I want to tell you something. Every single day of your life, God prepares a table for you, but it's up to you whether you'll eat or not. You know, we had an opportunity in here today to worship the God of heaven, creator of all the earth, and he was present here. Some of you just chose not to. You chose not to engage your heart and your mind with him and eat at his table. Some of you are spiritually malnourished. You know how you know when you're spiritually malnourished? You live more fleshly than you do the spirit. The scripture says if you follow the spirit, you will put to death the deeds of the flesh. And so if there's more flesh in our lives than there's spirit, it's because we've just not taken time to eat. And it's not just about Sunday morning worship. If you are not daily sitting down at the table that the Lord is preparing for you and just fixing your mind on him and worshiping him and adoring him, you will be spiritually malnourished. Amen. All right. Today, as I talked about, we're, we're, we're starting a series um, for Advent. And I got to kind of set the stage uh, because we've been in a series on the book of Hebrews. And in the book of Hebrews, we're going to come back to that and finish up the book in February. But I've really felt like, um, obviously, for Advent, we were going to take a break from that series. And then I feel like in the beginning of the year, uh, we're going to do a series called Truly Free in 2017. Truly Free in 2017. And the sermon series is actually going to be based on a book by Robert Morris called Truly Free. And it's about living in freedom. Jesus came to set us free, okay? And yet, many of us live in bondage to fear. We live in bondage to lust. We live in bondage to greed. We live in bondage to our past. We live in bondage to just uh, hurts and unforgiveness. There's so much bondage in our lives, and God wants to set us free from that. And that's what that series is going to focus on. And I believe that a lot of the things that the Lord has been saying to us corporately and to us as a city uh, are gonna start coming to a head. In fact, I, I feel like they're already starting to intersect. And I hope that you're gonna hear that too as we go through um, some of the weeks ahead. In, in October of last year, during one of our Tuesday night house of prayer meetings, the Lord spoke to us a word to be sober and to be vigilant, okay? And in that, it just means to be, to be sober just means to be, to, to not be drunk, not to be uh, in excess, to just be thoughtful, to think about his word, to think about what the Lord has said. Some of us, the Lord has said something to us, we're sure it's the Lord, and we're not putting into practice what he said. That's not being sober. Being sober means to make sure I'm being obedient to the Lord in my daily life, to be vigilant, to, to just be faithful. You know, if I fail, I just get back up, I confess my sin, and I get back on the, the path that the Lord has for me, to be sober and to be vigilant. And in the month of October last year, I had people um, 
emailing me dreams they were having about me, about our church, some people within our church body, some people outside of our church. Um, I was having dreams. I was getting things from the Lord, and I was writing these things down. And we walked through, um, in this last year, this has been the absolute hardest year of my life in ministry. Um, within the church, personally, in just things I've been facing, uh, things the Lord has been leading us through. But it's also been the year of greatest growth for me personally. And um, I believe that some of those things that the Lord has said and some of the things that he's shown us, as I said, are going to start intersecting. Last week, the message that I shared to you, with you, if you missed that, it's on our podcast, it's on CD back there, I'd encourage you to listen to it, because I believe that's a word that the Lord wants us to get in us. The idea that Jesus came to set us free, to make us in right standing with God, not based on our works, but we are sons and daughters of God because of what Christ did for us. And at the same time, he's called us now to live lives worthy of the calling as sons and daughters of God. And that message is gonna be a big intersection for us. Also, I think the Lord is saying something in the area of prayer. Ever since I've been senior pastor in this church, we have had some type of prayer gathering regularly. I believe the church needs to pray corporately together. That means we need to come together and pray if we want God to move in our lives and in our city. Yes, we need to pray as individuals, absolutely, but we also need to do it corporately. And there is a movement taking place across our city where people who are not normally prone to pray and worship, are starting to get hungry to pray and worship God. There was a prayer seminar a few weeks ago at a church in town in Bethesda, a man by the name of Daniel Henderson. So many people are starting to read his book on prayer, and I'm gonna share with you a few quotes today from that book, and the Lord is building prayer in our hearts. The, his house should be called a house of prayer. That's building in our city. The work of the Holy Spirit is something that needs to be a part of our lives. Tim Enloe was just here with us in September sharing a word with us uh, that I, I believe was right from the Lord about prayer and about the work of the Holy Spirit. And in January and February on Wednesday nights, we're gonna study that again for a few weeks to make sure that we're hearing what God is saying and putting that into practice. Um, as I said, there's just a lot of things that I feel like the Lord is beginning to intersect in the area of prayer, in the area of holiness, in the area of uh, the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. And this Advent series, um, I've entitled today's message, Open Before Christmas. Um, and if you've got your Bible, go to Luke chapter 11, because we're going to be uh, in Luke chapter 11 here in just a minute. Um, but I felt led during Advent this year to have a conversation with you about the Holy Spirit. I don't know exactly where we're going. I know where we're going today. Uh, I don't know where we're going in the weeks ahead. Uh, I just felt like the Lord wanted us to pause in this season and focus on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I believe the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is the point of Christmas. And it would be a tragedy for us to celebrate Christmas and miss this point. Okay, yes, I know Jesus came, but he came to restore us into right relationship with God so that the Holy Spirit could come and live in us and work in us. And so the work of the Holy Spirit was the reason he came because he said, it's better that I go so the Holy Spirit comes. That was the point. 
And some of us are missing the point. And we're trying to live a, a Christian faith and, and we're trying hard to live a Christian faith and it's not working because we're missing the point. And I hope that that comes across. And now, for those of you that maybe have never been a part of Advent before, let me just briefly talk about why we celebrate Advent. Advent is not a scriptural concept. Um, it, it's not unbiblical in the sense that we shouldn't do it, but it, there's nothing in scripture that says at Christmas time we should celebrate this thing called Advent. In fact, it was around the time of Martin Luther and the Reformation that the church began to celebrate Advent. And Advent is a Latin word that means coming. Okay, so it's a celebration of the coming of Jesus and it's a uh, an anticipation of his second coming. And so we light candles in an Advent wreath, each week lighting one more candle, building anticipation that the light of the world has come, the middle candle representing Jesus coming into the world. We light that on Christmas Eve and darkness being overtaken by light. And so it's a good thing. I had never celebrated Advent until last year. Last year was the first time I, I didn't celebrate it growing up. I grew up in a non-liturgical church, and so I didn't know much about Advent. Um, I know that every church does it a little bit different, and that's okay. Um, some use blue candles, some use purple candles. Uh, most use purple and a pink candle. The third candle the, is pink, symbolic of Mary, symbolic of hope, um, the the themes of Advent are faithfulness, uh, hope, love, and something else, joy. Um, yeah, joy. In fact, joy is uh, the pink candle. So hope, thank you. If you have, hey, if I get it wrong and you're liturgical, just correct me. Um, and so that's what it is. And so it's not bad to celebrate it, but here's the thing. If this replaces our relationship with God, if any tradition of the church becomes more important than our relationship with God, then it's wrong. Okay, and so some people get all hung up about, you know, the, the, the holidays and how we should celebrate them and what we should do and stop it. Uh, just live it out every day of your life. Live a personal living relationship with Jesus Christ and people will be drawn to you because you have hope and you have light and that's what Jesus came to bring us. And so we'll be celebrating Advent, we'll be talking about Advent and we're gonna be talking about um, the Holy Spirit during that time. In fact, if you don't know the story of Advent and Christmas, you should study it. The 12 days of Christmas uh, is a celebration of Christmas from Christmas Day all the way through Epiphany, uh, which represents the coming of the wise men. I mean, there's so much tradition, and the song, 12 Days of Christmas, is all biblical. It was taught to children to help them remember the partridge in a pear tree represents Jesus dying on the cross. Uh, the two turtle doves, some people believe represent the New and Old Testament, the covenants, uh, three French hens, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, you just thought it was a fun little thing, but no, there's a biblical meaning behind why the church instituted this. But now, we come and we light candles and we celebrate Advent, but we have no idea what we're doing. And that's, that should not be. And so um, I wanna draw your attention also to two resources that are on the back table. Uh, these books are books about the Holy Spirit. And as we start this study on the Holy Spirit, we are not gonna talk about things that are in these books. Uh, but if you want more information about the Holy Spirit, they're on the back table. Uh, they're $10 each. If you can't afford it, but you'll read it, take them. Uh, I don't care. As long as you read them, you can have them. And so... I'm just making them available to you because I want us to grow in our understanding of the Holy Spirit. So, are you in Luke chapter 11? Good. Let's read it. 
Luke chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. Now, there's no Walmart, okay? You can't just go get bread, and you might think, well, it's no big deal, we'll eat in the morning. No, in this tradition, it's, it's huge. It's a shame if someone comes to your home and you cannot be hospitable to them at any hour of the night. So if you can't put loaves in, of bread and food in front of them, then you, you bring shame on yourself. Okay, so this is a big, hairy deal here, okay? This is not like, you know, just, oh, so what? So you need some bread, okay? You've got to understand that. And suppose the guy inside calls out, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night, my family and I are all in bed, I can't help you. Again, they're all in the same room sleeping, okay? Not big houses, not everyone gets your own bedroom, small house, all in one room. If I get up, I get the whole family up. I don't want to wake the dog. So go away. Stop knocking. You know? And so that's what he's saying. I tell you this. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. So I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people, Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Father, give us understanding of your word. Holy Spirit, help us to apply it to our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The point of this passage is God is a good Father who wants to give his Spirit to his children. That's the point, okay? And Jesus makes some other points along the way, but as I said, this is why Jesus came, to give the Spirit to you and I. The Spirit could not come and live inside of us until Jesus shed his blood because we were stained with sin. But the blood of Jesus so cleansed us, made us so absolutely perfect in the sight of God that the Spirit of God can now come and actually live in us, we become temples of the Holy Spirit. And now, you, in nice Pentecostal fashion, have heard this all your life, and you're not impressed at all. 
But if you would just stop for a second and think that the God who started it all and said, let there be light, and there was light, the God that actually breathed into man the breath of life now lives inside of you. This is a game changer. This is a deal breaker. Our lives should not just be a little bit better than they were before salvation. They should be radically different If the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, what kind of power does it take to raise someone from the bread? I wish we had a defibrillator here today, and I'd ask for volunteers. Come on up. Let me give you these paddles. Clear. You know why they say clear? Because if you're touching that body when those paddles go down, you're in for an awakening. You got it? The clear means stop touching. Because you're about to get jolted. And the same jolt that can bring a heart back to life can kill another heart. Think about that. The same power that can bring a life back from the dead can actually kill another life. Just the different response to the work of the Holy Spirit. Some people respond to the work of the Holy Spirit in such a negative way, it actually closes them up and they actually become in more bondage than they were to begin with. Jesus says, God wants to give you the Spirit. And the passage starts with Jesus praying. Jesus prayed all the time, okay? Prayer is that important. It's more important than we think it is. And his disciples come to him and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, we don't know why they asked that. We don't know if they overheard him pray and they were impressed by his prayers. Maybe they were impressed by the fact that he often went to pray, that he got up before day and went out to pray, or he prayed through the night. And so maybe their prayer lives were kind of lacking and boring, and they thought, what makes him pray? And so, uh, or maybe they looked at John's disciples and, and were jealous of John's disciples. You know, John taught his disciples to pray. Jesus, you should teach us to pray. We want to be like John's disciples. We want to know how to pray. We want to be better than them. There's a lot of motivations for prayer. And what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about three things. The motives of prayer, the facets of prayer, and the point of prayer. Motives of prayer, facets of prayer, and the point of prayer. Now, we don't know the motives of the disciples, but we know that they could have been anything. They could have been jealousy. They could have been that they wanted power, that they wanted the results. I mean, Jesus spent time in prayer, and Jesus did miracles, and so they were like, well, you know, if we, we want to do that too. And so whatever their motivation was, Jesus tries to correct it in this passage because motivation for why we pray is very important. We may not think it's important, but it is. We're told a story in Acts chapter 8, and it says that the apostles heard that people in Samaria had accepted God's message, so they sent Peter and John there. And as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Most important thing, they had to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So for those that think, you know, baptism in water, you get the, you know, it's all there. I don't have time to explain it. Get a book, read it. Um, Peter and John laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon, the sorcerer, okay, a guy who does miracles, powers, saw that they, the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on them, he offered money to buy this power. Let me have this power too. When I lay my hands on people, I want them to receive the Holy Spirit. Peter replied, may your money 
be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. Remember we talked last week about our hearts. Please, whenever someone says, or when God comes and convicts us that there's something in our hearts that's not right, please don't blame someone else or make excuses for it. Just repent. Because this guy's life could have turned out different, but he says, he's, Peter says, you're full of bitter jealousy, you're held captive by sin, and he says, pray for me that these terrible things you said wouldn't happen to me. He repents. He doesn't say, well, who do you think you are? He repents. And then the Holy Spirit comes into his life as well. Hopefully, we don't, I guess we don't get the rest of the story. But you gotta understand, if our motive for prayer is off, it's, it's gonna bring us into actual bondage more than bring us into freedom. If our motive is to get God to answer our requests, if our motives is you know, to have some type of link so we can have power and we can lay hands on people and they can recover. Because in Matthew chapter seven, you gotta, you gotta read this. Jesus says, not everyone who says, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. On judgment day, many will say, we prophesied, we cast out demons, we perform miracles, all of this in your name, and I'll reply, I never knew you. So you can get into your prayer closet, and you can have power flowing through your life, and miracles can be happening all around you, and you're missing the point of prayer, because your motivation is off. Your motivation is just, God, come into my life just to give me something. Too many of us treat prayer like an email sent to God with instructions as how he should manage the affairs of our life each day. We attempt to use prayer to get our will done in heaven rather than his will done on earth. And our motivation for prayer is completely off. And it is a big deal because, you know, the ends does not justify the means if we're praying with wrong motives, in James chapter four, he says you're not gonna get from God what you're asking for because your motives are off. And God knows if he gives you what you're asking for when your motives are off, it's actually gonna bondage, put you into bondage. It's actually gonna yoke you to things that you don't wanna yoke. He's talking about spiritual adultery, loving the things of the world. And God's desire for us is not to be yoked to the things of the world, but to be yoked to him. And so Jesus deals with our motive for prayer, but he also goes on and talks about the facets of prayer. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray using what we call the, the Lord's Prayer, he was not asking us to memorize it and regurgitate it, okay? He was giving them a model to kind of follow. And so he starts with our Father, reminding us that we're coming to Jesus, or coming to the Father, by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are sons and daughters of God. We don't grovel before him. We don't, oh Lord, I, I'm not worthy to be, absolutely you're not worthy to be in his presence, but if you put faith in Christ, then you boldly enter the presence of God and you say, Father, Father. And so that's where we start. May your name be kept holy and may your kingdom come. It's all about him. Jesus says, when you come into the Lord's presence, come Come to your father, make it about him. May your kingdom come. May your name be honored in how I live my life. In Matthew chapter six, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will, will be added to you or given to you as well. What do you mean everything else? Well, right before this in Matthew chapter six, Jesus says, you know, what are you gonna eat? What are you gonna wear? What are you gonna do? You know, how are you gonna provide for yourself? 
If you're, if you're coming to the Lord in prayer and you're just asking for clothes to wear and stuff to do and you're, at, you're gonna miss it. You're gonna miss it. But if you're coming to the Lord to seek first his kingdom, God, I want you to be glorified in my life. I want your name to be honored in the world. I want what you want. He's gonna add all that to you. He already knows it. I mean, I know that in Philippians it tells us that we should bring our requests and we should bring our needs to the Lord. But this isn't the point of prayer. And that's why Jesus doesn't even get to that yet. It's about honoring the Lord. It's about seeking his face. Because here's the thing. If we just seek the hand of God, you'll, you'll miss his face. But if you seek the face of God, God will gladly open his hand to give us what we need from him. Then Jesus says, give us today our food, our daily bread. And then you're like, well, great. Now we get to our list. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's referencing what, Jesus, what Moses taught the, the children of Israel. God provided you manna every day. So you would learn that you don't live by bread alone, but you live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So what we're asking for here in prayer is not just to know, you know, just not to get my needs met. It's to know God as the source because if I'm just coming to God because I need a healing, if the healing doesn't come, if it looks like, God, I keep asking for this healing and I keep asking for this healing and it looks like you're giving me a scorpion, it looks like you're giving me a snake, I'm asking for this, but you're not giving me what I asked for. If we don't understand when Jesus is saying it's about knowing him, it's not about the healing, it's about knowing the healer. It's not about the provision, it's about knowing the provider. It's not about the thing, it's about the person. You've gotta know that if your circumstance never changes, he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And if you can't be content in this moment without something from God, you won't be content when you get that thing. It's a deception. That's why the children of Israel, when they went into the promised land, never could live in, in a way that pleased and honored God. Because they never could learn that it wasn't the thing they needed. They needed him. They needed his prayer, his presence. They needed an awareness of him. Because an awareness of him is all we need. Then he says, forgive us as we forgive others. It recognizes not only have others hurt me, but I have offended God with my life. And so we deal with the stuff that's in our heart that the Holy Spirit brings to the surface. We talked about this last week. Everything that comes to the surface, we deal with. And if, you, if, if we are not in right relationship with other people, in Matthew chapter six, Jesus gives us a stern warning. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father forgives you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't feel an emotion that you're not working through the, um, the anger, the hurt, the pain, but you make a conscious choice to release people who have wronged you. Remember when Jesus taught his disciples that they had to forgive 70 times seven times? And what was the response of the disciples? Lord, increase our faith. We need more faith to forgive like that. And Jesus says, you don't need more, more faith. Because if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, be moved into the sea. And see, we use that to get a miracle, but Jesus was equating that with forgiveness. 
And then he tells them a story about the, wicked, or the servant that, that feeds or goes out and works in the field and he comes in and he waits on the, the table of the servant and after he's done everything he was supposed to do, he doesn't get praised. That was his role as a servant. See, you need to read that passage of scripture because it all comes together. Jesus says you can forgive your brother, you're just choosing not to. You're choosing to let the pain, the emotion, dictate what you're gonna do and not my word. Because my word says to forgive, release the person that's hurt you. And then don't let us yield to temptation or transform our hearts. Now, Matthew's version of the prayer is a little bit different than Luke's, but in essence, Jesus gives us this model to teach us the, the different facets of prayer and to lead us to the point of prayer. There are many purposes for prayer. In fact, I wanted to call this the purpose of prayer, but there's, there's many purposes, so I called it the point. The point of prayer. Jesus teaches them about persistence. Persistence. Remember, if you keep knocking long enough, if you are shameless in your persistence, because here's the thing, prayer is not something that we should try. I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna try this and see how it works. No, if you don't go into prayer knowing that it works, knowing that it, when you're praying and it looks like that you're, 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 you don't have a good father, you know, God's not answering my, what's, what, you know, people say all the time, why, I don't even know why I pray, it doesn't matter, God doesn't listen to my prayers, he doesn't answer me. No, this book says he hears us. This book says he's a good father. This book says he's an ever-present help in trouble. So no matter what we feel or what we think we're getting, we have to understand that when we're coming to God in prayer, we're getting him. The point of prayer is not what we get, it's who we get. The point of prayer is not what we get, it's who we get. We get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fills our lives in greater ways to help us work through our sin, to get it out of our lives, to forgive those who have sinned against us, to know the will of the Father so we can pray according to the Father's will, so miracles can happen. So all of these things that we're asking for could actually be done if we would put the cart or the horse back in front of the cart. But too many of us treat prayer like it's our just spiritual download with the Lord and then we're frustrated and we quit praying. We give up on prayer. We've missed the point. The point is him. And if you will set your heart on praying and seeking the Lord, he will answer every single time. If you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me, says the Lord. The Lord is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But if you don't settle in your heart first, I have a good father, he wants to give his spirit to me, and so I'm gonna keep asking. I'm gonna keep knocking on this door, not because I think I deserve it, not be, but because he's a good father and he told me to. And I know that maybe my motives could be off, but I'm gonna trust that the Holy Spirit that he gives me is gonna help purify my motives as I walk through this, and I'm just gonna keep asking and I'm gonna keep seeking and I'm gonna keep knocking and the enemy's gonna come and he's gonna say, you might as well quit this prayer thing, give up on this prayer thing. Nobody, Pastor, why do we meet for prayer every week? Nobody comes because he told us to. He said his house should be called a house of prayer and whether or not you show up isn't gonna matter to me. What matters is we're gonna call on the Lord because he's our lifeline. Amen. Whew. All right, we're gonna take, yeah, you can shout. I mean, it's, it's okay, it's spiritual, it's in the Bible. Halal. 
At the end of each of the weeks, I wanted to take us some time for us to seek the Lord. And we're going to do that in just a second. And uh, we, we just have to understand. I want to make sure that I... You remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? Joseph got a dream that his father and mother and his brothers and sisters were going to bow down to him. And what happened to him? He got sold as a slave. And all he did was just be faithful to the Lord. I mean, he could have had Potiphar's wife. The script, she was probably a beautiful woman. No one would have known. But he stayed faithful to the Lord. And what did that get him? Prison. And all along the way, Joseph could have turned his back on the Lord, but he stayed faithful. He stayed true to the Lord. I'm sure there were moments where, excuse me, he had it out with the Lord, argued, screamed, had a, a, a hissy fit, if you will. But he just stayed true. He just stayed faithful. And the Lord exalted him to the throne in Egypt. You've got to understand, God wants to answer our prayers, but he wants to do it in a way that will bring him maximum glory and bring us and those around us maximum benefit. And he knows the end from the beginning. And he knows when to answer a request. He knows when to bring something into our lives and when to wait. But all along the way, he gives his Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And the Spirit who raised Christ from the dead, if he lives in you, what can't you overcome? What can't you overcome? He's preparing a table for you right now. Will you eat? I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back and I wanna to read to you an illustration that kind of makes this very clear. See, it's so easy for us in Christianity or in church work to succeed. I mean, after all, you just have to follow the Ten Commandments and, you know, know the right things to do and, you know, I pray and read my Bible every day. And so it seems easy to, to live this task. And we tend to forget that we're ultimately called to a supernatural task. If I asked you to take my car keys and move my Toyota 4Runner, which I don't have, but if I asked you to move that from the back parking lot to the front parking lot of the building, you might oblige me. On the other hand, if I asked you to fly my 747 jumbo jet from here over to Minneapolis, you would probably break out in a cold sweat. I don't own a 747 either. But moving the Toyota is a task that you can easily accomplish. But flying a jumbo jet is probably beyond your skills. Sadly, we've come to the conclusion that living the Christian life is more like moving the car than flying the 747. And nothing could actually be farther from the truth. Jesus said that if we fail to abide in him, we can do nothing of eternal significance and lasting fruitfulness. Because we think we can live the Christian life, we conclude that we don't need to pray. I got a handle on this. I don't need to pray and seek the Lord. I mean, I know what I'm supposed to do and not do. 
But he's called us to something far greater than what we're capable of doing. And the only way we can live that out is if we come with shameless persistence and we keep asking and we keep seeking and we keep knocking. For some of you, it's been a struggle and you feel like every time you try to walk through a door, it gets slammed in your face. If you keep knocking, that door will open. If you keep seeking, you will find. And if you keep asking, you will receive. And he'll give his spirit to live in you. I wanna invite you to stand with me. We're gonna take some time and we're gonna wait on the Lord. We've got time before we need to rush away. And I want us to set our hearts on him. I want us to begin to seek him. If that means you need to step out of where you are and come up here and kneel, or you come up here and stand, our prayer team will be here again. If you need prayer for something, we wanna pray with you. Here's the thing, it's table time. It's table time. The Lord is preparing a table for you right now. Even in the presence of your enemies, meaning in the presence of all your problems, in the presence of all of the emotions you're going through right now, there's a table. I promise you, those things are gonna be there for you as soon as you walk out the door. For now, let them go. Let them go. He's here. And He is what you need. You think you need a healing. You don't. You need a healer. You think you need a provision. You don't. You need a provider. And you know that if the provider leaves here with you, there's nothing. He can't cover. And so we're gonna sing this song that says, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here, but I don't want you to think of it as this room. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here in this temple. Come flood this place, fill this atmosphere. And let's make this our desire. He wants to meet you. He wants to meet you. And so Father, we come right now before your throne into your presence. God, we want your name to be honored all across the city of Huron, all across the state of South Dakota, all across this nation. God, we let go right now of every one of our concerns, our fears, our anxieties, our sicknesses, our diseases. And God, we just come because you rule the nations. God, you are the provider. You are the healer. You are everything we need. And so now we just come to be with you. Holy Spirit, fill our lives today. Fill our lives today with an awareness of your presence so that when we walk out these doors, that when, when, when it doesn't look like there's enough, God, when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're not gonna be afraid because you're with us. You're our rock. You're our staff. You're our protection. So Holy Spirit, come. Meet us in this moment. Meet us today, we pray. Meet us, we pray.
begin to lift your voice, just begin to praise Him. You gotta condition your body to press in, press in past what you're comfortable with. You know, we'll sit through a three hour movie, our seat will kind of get numb. We'll sit through a, a race for three hours. We'll sit through a sporting event for three hours. Come on, let's press in, come to the table, come to the table, push past your flesh, push past your feelings. He is what you need. Be convinced today that you have a good, good father and he is what you need. Come to the table, come to the table. Just begin to voice it to him. Just get lost in him, get lost in him. You've got time, you've got time. Get lost in him right now. Let him fill you with the spirit, fresh and new right now. Let's pray. Mm -hmm. 